Welcome to PS Pod, the official podcast of CPT Pharmacometrics and Systems Pharmacology, published on behalf of the American Society for Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics, produced in association with Wiley. On today's episode, we talk with former editor-in-chief of PSP, Dr. Pete Vandergraaff, Dr. Saruchi Bakshi, a research scientist at Zertara QSP in the Netherlands, as well as at the Leiden Academic Center for Drug Research at Leiden University, and with Dr. Chow Chen from Clinical Pharmacology Modeling and Simulation at GlaxoSmithKline. We will be discussing their recently published review, Mathematical Biology Models of Parkinson's Disease, published in the February 2019 issue of PSP. Dr. Vandergraaff, what motivated you to write a review on mathematical models in Parkinson's disease? A recent publication in CPT-PSP by the International Consortium for Innovation and Quality in Pharmaceutical Development, or IQ, highlighted that pharma companies consider neuroscience as one of the therapeutic areas with most potential for quantitative systems pharmacology modeling impact in the next five years. This is mainly due to the fact that currently QSP modeling is not widely used in neuroscience. So there is a big opportunity for growth. As a result, publications of specific QSP applications in neuroscience drug developments are relatively sparse. And as a first step towards the growth of this discipline, it is important to establish a baseline of what is already known through systematic literature mining. We were directly motivated by a recent publication in PCPT-PSP by the EBI group from Cambridge, UK, who presented the first comprehensive review of mathematical models in neurodegeneration. Our recent review builds on this work and zooms in on Parkinson's disease, which is one of the main areas of focus for drug discovery and development in neuroscience at present. Dr. Bakshi, how did you go about searching the literature for models, and how many did you identify for your review? We wanted to identify mechanism-based models of Parkinson's disease. We used combinations of search terms such as mathematical model and Parkinson's disease, and included some biological terms such as alpha-synuclein aggregation, reactive oxygen species, proteasomes, propagation, and so on. Essentially, we were looking for models which described molecular mechanisms of Parkinson's disease. We identified 32 models, which specifically modeled underlying pathogenesis and propagation mechanisms. And we included models with both extensive or limited experimental support. Several other kinds of models also exist. One class of model uses signal processing applied to markers of motor function, for example, The aim of these models is to identify differences between healthy and diseased patients with respect to these markers. Then there are cognitive and motor function decline scores, such as UPDRS and MOCA. There are models describing longitudinal evolution of these scores and the effect of pharmaceuticals on this evolution. And then there are PKPD-type models of drugs, such as L-DOPA. But we excluded these models. What was the main conclusion from your review? For example, could you categorize the model into related subsets? Evolution of Parkinson's occurs over several years, possibly a couple of decades, but the molecular mechanisms act on a shorter timescale. Almost all models we studied included aggregation of alpha-synuclein, and as such, misfolding and aggregation of ASIN is very important in Parkinson's pathogenesis. So we dedicated a section to models of alpha-syn aggregation that were based on rich in vitro experimental data. 
A large proportion of models have described the feedback interactions between misfolded alpha-syn and other cellular entities such as reactive oxygen species and proteasomes and so on, and tried to address how pathology emerges as a result of these feedbacks. And then there were models that attempt to go beyond intracellular molecular interactions to bulk changes in the brain, considering the spatial anatomical connectivity of neural networks in the brain. Dr. Chow, what is the main reason for using quantitative systems pharmacology, or QSP models, for neurodegenerative disorders like Parkinson's disease? We use quantitative systems pharmacology to help choose the right drug targets. We know that many drugs, in fact classes of drugs, fail to show convincing efficacy in patients because of insufficient therapeutic relevance of the targets. Treating a degenerative brain disorder such as Parkinson's disease has its unique obstacles as well. On the discovery side, the brain is a highly complex organ and its functions are poorly understood on many levels. This makes identifying a good target extra challenging. Plus, we can't even access the brain directly to monitor the disease or to gauge the drug effects at a mechanistic level. And then, on the development side, Parkinson's disease progresses slowly and the patient's response to drug intervention is highly variable. So the trials are long and expensive to run, yet often with ambiguous outcome. So it's ever more important to get the target right. Now the combination of these biological obstacles and the clinical risks creates a unique value proposition for using an acylical tool such as quantitative systems pharmacology to get the drug target and the mode of action right. Dr. Vandergraaff, what are the challenges in constructing a QSP model for a complex disease like Parkinson's? Probably the most important and first step is to define the question and how a QSP model may help to answer that question. In drug development, the goal is never, at least in our experience, to build the ultimate complete QSP model for a disease. And the scope, size and nature of the model will be determined by the question. Once this has been established, the next challenge is to establish and organize what is already known about the biology and disease relevant for the question at hand. This information gets condensed in a so-called biological map, which is a graphical qualitative representation of current understanding, hypotheses and beliefs. Next, a gap analysis is performed to identify key gaps in the existing knowledge, which may constrain how detailed certain components in the model can be and also guides experimental work. Once a biological map has been agreed, a first mathematical implementation of the model will be constructed. But this is not necessarily always the most challenging step in the full QSP model development cycle. Did you identify a modeling approach or formalism which is particularly suitable for Parkinson's disease? Not only is Parkinson's a multifactorial disease, but the pathology develops over different time and spatial scales. The choice of modeling formalisms is dictated to some extent by the scope of the question at hand and level of detail required. Differential equation-based approaches are useful for modeling dynamics of feedback interactions and can be used to generate testable hypotheses, whereas omics-type data are better modeled using constraint-based approaches. Spread of the disease in the bulk of the brain might be best modeled using neural networks or agent-based type models. Ultimately, developing a comprehensive model of Parkinson's would require multiscale modeling methodologies, hybrid formalisms, and perhaps application of model reduction methods to zoom in on the processes that are important at the timescale of interest. How far are we from a QSP model of Parkinson's disease linking molecular-level events 
to an observable biomarker in clinical outcome. What we currently have, and what we have shown in this review, is that we have several pieces of the puzzle. Building a QSP model, as you asked, would require us to arrange these pieces together to make a meaningful picture. However, to generate confidence in a given model, we need reliable and reproducible data with which to train or validate the model. The question is, do we have such longitudinal biomarker data? Currently, we have several reports of alpha-SID measurements in CSF and plasma, which would be most natural to link to the QSP model output. What we still lack is data on longitudinal Parkinson's disease spread within the brain. In Alzheimer's disease, for example, brain imaging can be used to study the rate of brain atrophy with time. In Parkinson's, brain atrophy is not as pronounced and only manifests in late stages of the disease. Damage by Parkinsonian pathology is more subtle and is not that easily imaged. It would be worth seeing the outcomes of initiatives such as Parkinson's Progression Markers Initiative or PPMI to see what kinds of biomarkers can be used reliably to study progression of Parkinson's. Dr. Vandergraaff, given the complexity of the brain, are QSP models for CNS diseases necessarily more complex than QSP models in other fields? This goes back to my earlier point about constraining QSP models and ensuring they are fit for purpose to address the important questions. Surely, if the goal was to build a virtual human, then the brain would no doubt be the most complex organ to model in its entirety. However, since, as I said earlier, this is never the objective in a drug discovery and development context, I don't believe that QSP models for the CNS are necessarily more complex than for any other area. I think that CNS drug research has some major challenges in general. For example, that the pathophysiology underlying many disorders is poorly understood, the absence of biomarkers, and the poor translatability from preclinical models. However, rather than looking at these challenges as being obstacles, I believe they provide opportunities for QSP to make an impact and help to improve the poor success rates in CNS R&D. Finally, Dr. Chow. What are the main opportunities and challenges for pharmacometrics and systems pharmacology in the neuroscience area? Neurological diseases are complex, and they often involve the brain. As I said earlier, very few biological tests can be done directly to the brain of a living person to understand the disease and the drug action. However, there's usually already knowledge out there about many pathways in isolation. A coherent mathematical model can integrate all the relevant knowledge to make a holistic use of it, so we can weigh the relative importance among different pathways and assess the potential of pharmacological intervention through one specific mechanism or a combination of multiple mechanisms. The approach allows us to integrate multiple pathways to make direct use of the data that are already quantitative to draw quantitative inference from the still qualitative evidence to detect knowledge gaps and to identify further biological experiments to close those gaps. A big challenge here is to project a disease drug system from the molecular or cellular level to a patient's clinical response. Now this is where translational PKPD modeling and pharmacometrics can help build the bridge. Thank you, Dr. Chen, and thank you to Drs. Pete Vandergraaff and Saruchi Bakshi for this thoughtful discussion. You have been listening to PS Pod, the official podcast of CPT, Pharmacometrics and Systems Pharmacology, published on behalf of the ASCPT by Wiley. I'm Brian Coughlin. Thank you for listening.